What's happening, everybody? On today's show, Alabama quarterback commit Julian Sand turned some heads at the Elite 11 Finals. We'll talk with Joseph Hastings about all the SEC quarterback commits who were in Los Angeles over the weekend. And Florida continues to crush on the recruiting trail. We'll hear some comments from Nick Saban as well. Locked on SEC starts right now. You are locked on SEC, your daily podcast on the Southeastern Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And what's happening, everybody? Welcome into Locked on SEC. It's great to have you guys along. I'm Chris Gordy. Thanks for making Locked on SEC your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, we got plenty to discuss. Let's jump into it. Let's go around the conference. Boots out to the right. Makes the handoff. Around the conference. And we start with Nick Saban as he sat down with Joel Klatt of Fox Sports to discuss a number of topics regarding college football. And a few of those topics. First up, Saban discussed the current state of things regarding opt-outs and the transfer portal. Saban said, I think you have to create a balance between how much do you take and how much do you give. We're giving people scholarships. We're creating NIL opportunities. But what's their commitment? There's no place in the world where you don't have a contract if you're going to receive benefits. You have a contract and an obligation to do a certain job when you can opt out, transfer, do whatever you want, whenever you want. I'm not sure the balance is quite right. We all need to be totally committed to what our goals and aspirations are. The only problem with this, Nick, is, you know, where's the commitment with coaches? They can leave at any time as well. You know, they don't have to honor their contracts. If they get a better job elsewhere, they can just up and leave immediately and go on a better situation. I think a lot of kids are doing that now. New NIL opportunities. Another school wants to give them more money or you know more NIL opportunities in another location. They can do that. I get where Nick is coming from. There's got to be a little bit of commitment. And that's why I say, you know, let's go back to you know the days of kids wanting to play for a school. Like if you're gonna go play for a school, play for the school, not the coach, right? Like go to the school because you love the school. That degree from Auburn University or Georgia or South Carolina means something to you. Your family loves it. The tradition all there. If there's a coaching change, who cares? You want to play for that school. Unfortunately, it's not Annie. You know, it's not all sunshine and roses, and it's not always going to be that way. So I see where Saban's coming from, but I also disagree with uh, the idea of where's the commitment from the kid? Where's the commitment from the coaches? What if Saban decides to retire this year? Well, he just recruited some kids to come play the next four years for him. Uh, Saban did go on to say he is open to the players unionizing and collectively bargaining some of these issues as well. Now, a few other topics Saban talked with Joel Klatt on. He talked about the state of the college football playoff and how they choose the teams that go to the playoff. Of course, this being the last year of the four teams. Saban wondered if the teams with the most wins are truly the best in a given season. He said, when they told me we would have been favored against three of the four teams they got in the playoff last year, I'm like, well, why aren't we in the playoff? Look, that sounds good, Nick, but he should also recognize his team was favored against Tennessee and LSU last year and lost both of those games. In fact, Alabama is always filled with so much four- and five-star talent with Saban at the helm. They're usually betting favorites against anyone they play. So I feel like that argument's a little bit skewed. Uh, you know, it's it's that case of, you know, four most deserving both, you know, versus the four best teams. 
well, yeah, sometimes a team that has the most talent and is the best team winds up with two losses. Sorry, it's 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 what you you know roster looks like and, and all that, but it's also resume. It's what, what have you done? What have you put on your resume? And um, you know, Alabama had two losses on it last year, and that's why they did not get into the playoff. Granted, you know, had they played TCU, would they have been heavy favorites? Yeah, look at what Georgia did to them. Um, but it's a different Alabama team this year, obviously taking uh, a little bit of a step back with Bryce Young gone, Will Anderson gone. We'll see how they adjust. One more from Saban. He was asked about the need for parity. He said all leagues look for that. The NFL, he said, would love for all teams to go 8-8 eight and eight, uh, into that 17th game of the season. He said parity creates a lot of excitement. I think it's harder to do in college football because you have so many different teams. And the fundamentals are different at the University of Alabama as opposed to a different school. The money's different. The dynamics are different. The investments that's made in the athletes and the program are different. And the value created for the athletes is different. So it's not all the same. So it'd be difficult to uh, do that. I mean, he's right. It's not a level playing field. Everything is is different. We have all these different schools, different conferences, different uh, laws in different states when it comes to NIL and all that kind of stuff. So a little bit hard to do that. And as we know, as we like to think, you know, expanding the college football playoff after this year to 12 games, it feels like, oh, it's going to open it up for so many different teams. But I don't know. Is it really? feels like we're still going to have a lot of the same regular cast in there, like Alabama and Georgia and Clemson and Oklahoma, probably USC with Lincoln Riley there. Be a lot of the same regulars making the playoff once again. All right, I'm off my soapbox. Let's uh, continue to go around the conference. Uh, how about over at Florida? What is going on? with Billy Napier. What is in the water in Gainesville? Florida continuing their recruiting hot streak over the last 72 hours. Uh, picked up a couple more pledges on Monday. First up, Marcus Maskell, a three-star offensive tackle out of the state of Georgia. Had offers from UCF, Pitt, LSU, NC State. He's six four, 292 pounds. Like we said, three-star prospect, the 51st offensive tackle in the country according to 24-7 Sports. And, uh, man, another big-time get. Also, Micah Boro, a uh, 6'5", 370-pound lineman from Georgia as well. He announced his commitment to the Gators. He's a three-star prospect. Uh, ranks as the uh, number 97 defensive lineman in this class. So an offensive lineman, defensive lineman uh, coming in from the state of Georgia to the Gators. And as it sits right now, I mean, all the prospects they got on Father's Day, it has jumped Florida's class up to number five in the country with these uh, eight commitments since June the 12th. Unbelievable moves that Billy Napier and Florida have been doing. So we'll see uh, we'll see what it looks like when, uh, when they finish this class off. I mean, if they could finish somewhere in the top five, top six, top seven, that would be a huge, huge uh, feather in the cap for Billy Napier heading into year two in Gainesville. Over at Ole Miss, kind of touched on it yesterday, but they picked up a big commitment from a four-star safety named Traveris Banks. He had offers from Auburn, Florida, Mississippi State. Number 158 overall player, the number 13 safety in the class of 2024, and he's the number 10 player from the state of Alabama. So Lane Kiffin excited to get him on campus. Also, we talked about it yesterday, but Saturday Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin flipped 2025 quarterback Austin Simmons from Florida. He made headlines because he has a 5.34 GPA, and he's reclassifying two years 
to the class of 2023. He's coming to coming to Ole Miss's campus this year. Uh, Matt Zenitz of On3 Sports asked a uh, Power 5 staffer about him, and the quote was, he has some Tua in him. So Austin Simmons getting on campus, not going to Florida, going to Ole Miss, and uh, we'll see him on their roster this year. One other guy to keep an eye on when it comes to uh, recruiting, it's a five-star wide receiver, Cam Coleman. He uh, just announced his final eight schools this week. And heavy SEC. He's got Florida, LSU, Kentucky, Auburn, and Georgia, along with Texas A&M, all from the SEC. And then he's got Clemson and Florida State. So we'll see what happens with him. Uh, I'm sure all those programs would love to get a Cam Coleman in there. Uh, One more thing in some baseball news. South Carolina assistant coach Justin Parker. uh, He's been targeted by a lot of different schools. The uh, South Carolina pitching coach is heading to Mississippi State to be their pitching coach. He'll replace... Uh, Scott Foxall, who was fired two months ago when the Bulldogs were dismal, 6-15 in the SEC, and their pitching staff was the worst in the conference at 662, allowed the most runs in the SEC. So Justin Parker going to come try to get uh, Mississippi State's pitching staff right. And now the Gamecocks have identified their replacement. That's going to be Matt Williams from Liberty. Uh, that's from Kendall Rogers of D1 Baseball reporting that uh, Matt Williams coming to be the Gamecocks next pitching coach. And Kendall Rogers called it a win-win for both. Matt Williams is a great fit for South Carolina. Should do a good job with their pitching staff. But mostly Justin Parker going in to fix what's gone wrong at Mississippi State. It has just been downhill ever since they won that national championship two years ago. Shout out to Tennessee staving off elimination yesterday. They beat Stanford to advance on the loser side of the bracket. We'll uh, keep you up to date throughout the week with what's happening out there in Omaha. Thank you guys so much for making Locked on SEC your first listen every day. Coming up next, we will talk with Joseph Hastings of the Elite 11 Finals out there in Los Angeles. And I want to remind you guys that baseball season is in full swing and there's no better place to get in on the action than FanDuel, America's number one sports book because right now new customers get that no sweat bet up to $1,000. That's $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to join today. Of course, uh, tons of different action, uh, game action you can get into as we near the all-star break and tons of games going on throughout the season, so don't miss your chance to snag that no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Again, FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. FanDuel, they are the official partner of Major League Baseball and uh, Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. along here, Locked On SEC. Thank you guys so much for making Locked On SEC your first listen every day. And we'll be going around the conference talking a lot about uh, what's been going on here. Of course, a lot of recruiting news going on around the conference and particularly uh, a lot of eyes on the quarterbacks as the Elite 11 finals took place over the weekend in Los Angeles. And so we figured nobody better to get on to talk about this than Joseph Hastings. He is the recruiting reporter for Bama Online, and uh, he was out there for the whole thing in Los Angeles this past weekend. Uh, Joseph, welcome in, man. How are you? Chris, I'm doing excellent today. Uh, still getting adjusted to the time zone here uh, after going out to the West Coast. I think it is. I think it's Monday today. Uh, I'm pretty sure. Um, <laughs> it, it, it's been a lot the past few days, but I'm very excited to talk about Julian once again today. 
Well, yeah, look, I mean, there was a, a ton of the top recruits in the country took part in this. You know, you had Colin Hurley from LSU, DJ Lagway from Florida, Dylan Rayola from Georgia, and of course, Alabama's Julian Sane, and Sane is the one who really impressed, grabbing MVP honors at the Elite 11. I guess just give us an overview of what all you saw at the Elite 11 finals. Yeah, so this was a really interesting event to cover. It was my first time going to the Elite 11 finals, and I was just really impressed with how thorough everything was, and at how well organized it is, the level of coaching that these young kids were able to receive at the event. You know, you start off on Wednesday with the on-the-field work where they went through different position drills, different, um, you, know, you know, different things that they were tasked with doing, whether that be standing still, throwing the ball quick release, or dropping back, uh, delivering deep passes. The rail shot competition was a, a highlight for me. I required quarterbacks to throw the ball down the sideline, hit the receiver right above the chest, um, not too far into the end zone, but also not too short. Yet to, it really took into account placement there. I was very impressed with uh, j- just the overall nature of the competition on Wednesday and, and how many different facets of the game they were able to test these, these young quarterbacks in. And then Thursday with the Pro Day, I wasn't able to be there because of the 7-on-7 seven seven, um, OT uh, finals event that went on sponsored by um, overtime, but I, I, I just heard great things about it in terms of testing quarterbacks at each level, um, you know, requiring them to make off-platform throws and, you know, short routes, deep routes. Uh, you know, Julian Sane went viral on that pro day for, for a jump pass that he attempted uh, down the sidelines there. So that, that seemed to be a really good event. And then on Friday, they had the accuracy challenge, requiring quarterbacks to throw it at different targets, and then also seven-on-seven seven when, when each quarterback was given four, four possessions. And they were working with some top wideouts, by the way. They were working with Jeremiah Smith. Uh, number one receiver in the 2024 class committed to Ohio State, Andrew Marsh and Jamie French, two of the top 2025 receivers in the country. And there are also some talented DBs there like Ohio State commit, John State Gilbert. So, you know, not, not only were, were they competing against each other and competing with some of the top quarterbacks in the country, 20 of the top quarterbacks in the 2024 class, they're also working with some top talent as well. It, it was just a really well-done event. Talking with Joseph Hastings from Bama Online, part of the On3 network. And, uh, Joseph, I believe uh, I saw that Sane is the first Alabama quarterback commit to to win those MVP honors at the Elite 11 since Tua did it back in 2016. I know he's a five-star. Um, and, and, look, Dylan Rayola, by a lot of the services, he's the number one guy. He's going to Georgia. But in your opinion, from what you've seen from Sane so far, would you say he's the best quarterback in this crop for 2024? You know, that's a tough one to dissect because, you know, I spoke with our rankings director, Charles Power, about this. And, you know, that was the question I posed to him. And he said, you know, the senior season's really going to tell a lot. Um, also, the all-star game settings, the, you know, the Under Armour camp as well as the All-American Bowl. So there's still a lot of time left to go in terms of figuring out the final number one quarterback ranking. But just based off what I saw last week, I feel like Julian Thane is the most college-ready quarterback out there at the event just in terms of everything that he brings to the table from a accuracy standpoint poise composure how polished he is with his skill set the fundamentals that he brings to the table uh, with his footwork I mean each each throw that he made and, and attempted Wednesday through Friday uh, was exactly the same start to finish looking at his at his feet all the way up to his throwing motion he's got a really quick release compact throwing motion doesn't waste a lot of um, a, a lot of movement in that throwing motion. So his mechanics are there. Uh, I, I really like him in terms of his maturity. Uh, you know, his approach to the game, his intangibles. 
He's somebody who's out there competing at every single event, every, every single seven on seven that he can go to the elite 11 finals. He went from the elite 11 finals to the OT seven uh, finals an hour later after winning MVP. He's just somebody who loves football and um, you know, he, he's, He's really polished. I, I think he's the most college-ready right now, and I, I feel very comfortable. If he needed to, you know, enroll in the 2023 class for whatever reason and you needed to throw him out there on the field uh, this season, I feel like he would be the most prepared out of any of the quarterbacks I saw. Joseph, as we, you know, talk about some of these other guys, and obviously, we, you know, we do Locked on SEC, so we're talking to the entire conference. Give me a thought on some of the other SEC commits that you saw. Dylan Rayola obviously grabs a lot of the headlines, but Florida fans are super excited super excited about DJ Lagway. Uh, LSU fans super excited about Colin Hur- Hurley. Give me a, a little takeaway on some of those other guys you saw. Yeah, I thought Colin Hurley was an interesting one to see because, you know, he was previously a class of 2025 prospect, now in the 2024 class, and just physically, you know, how he's built, he seems ready, um, you know, for that next level uh, from a development standpoint, physical development standpoint. Uh, his release uh, looked, looked really well, uh, looked really smooth. Uh, he's another one who went from the Elite 11 Finals to the OC7 Finals. So, once again, speaking to that competitive nature that he has there, always willing to compete. Uh, I really like Colin, too, just, uh, you know, who he is as a person. Uh, very, very down-to-earth, very humble. So, uh, I always look for those intangibles and tangibles as well. Um, you look at DJ Lagway. He's somebody that, another uh, another one who, from a physical perspective, he looks like he can go out there and, and, and play at the next level right away this uh, this upcoming fall. Uh, just just in terms of, you know, his upper body, you know, his lower body, obviously we couldn't see the legs too much this time around, but he's somebody who's uh, a, a true dual threat quarterback in that respect. So, uh, with DJ, it's just going to be about cleaning up a little bit of those mechanics, cleaning up his footwork. He, he, he was a little bit sporadic at times in terms of uh, the, the footwork, and, you know, there was some inconsistency there. But when, when DJ was on and, and, you know, he was making some off-platform throws and, you know, fading to the side and, and, and delivering some, some passes, you know, um, on the rope, I was really impressed with what I've seen from him. You know, in terms of, when you're projecting highest ceiling, you know, DJ Lagway's name has to be in that conversation. It just has to be just because of if, if everything clicks for him and he's able to clean up and fine tune those mechanics, I, I think he could be a dominant player in the SEC. Dylan Riola, Ryan Puglisi, you know, they, they both kind of bring different things to the table. Uh, Riola is, look, the hype is definitely real with Dylan Riola in terms of, uh, you know, his potential. Uh, when he was on, he was really on. The thing is, you know, especially in that first day, you know, he, he has some rough spots uh, with, with the accuracy, with, with some of those mechanics, with some of the some of the accuracy issues there. So I was, I, I think there's a little bit more to see with him in terms of his senior season, what eventually goes on there, if he's able to bounce back and, and perform a good performance there in the fall and then also in the All-Star Game setting. But uh, I, I think I, I saw some things that I liked from him, uh, especially – when it came to making some sort of off-script throws and, uh, you know, throwing off his back foot, things of that nature. He, he's somebody who has who definitely has a really good arm talent. Same thing with Ryan Puglisi. Uh, I, I want to see a little bit more from him, but I, I like the velocity that he put on the football. Uh, he showcased some really good accuracy. Uh, so I, I think Georgia's got a couple of really good co- uh, quarterback commits there in that class. So, um, And I, I know it's not the SEC, but I just have to mention Aaron Nolan committed to Ohio State just really liked everything that I saw from him. I think he's like right there with Julian saying in terms of the floor um, and, and how excited you should be 
about him potentially coming in and contributing immediately, uh, you know, just with his mechanics and his fundamentals and his feel for the game. So, um, yeah, very talented group I got to watch. Continue our conversation with uh, Joseph Hastings of Bama Online, part of the On3 uh, network, and uh, talking with Joseph as he was out there in Los Angeles for the Elite 11 Finals, getting to see a lot of these quarterbacks. Julian Sand was named MVP at the Elite 11 Finals. Of course, he is an Alabama quarterback com- commit. Um, look, the quarterbacks grab all the headlines. I know there were some other guys, other positions and stuff out there. Anybody else really grab your attention? Sorry, can you repeat that one last part again? You broke up a little bit. Yeah, just outside of the quarterbacks, was there anybody who really grabbed your attention uh, at the uh, at the camp? Yeah, I think Jamie French, uh, this 125 wide receiver out of Jacksonville, Florida, he, every single time I looked up, he was making a spectacular play. He was making one-handed grabs. You know, he, he, he runs really crisp routes. He's somebody that can create separation. I know... We, you know, we, we had a little bit of a limited setting with him there at the Elite 11, but I did get to see him at OT7, uh, the 7-on-7 event there in Huntington Beach. And, uh, you, you know, I've seen him earlier this year as well. He's just uh, a dynamic player. Um, you know, he, he's somebody that when, when you look at him from a route running perspective, you just have to like what you've seen. Jeremiah Smith, the Ohio State commitment, he's, he's definitely worked the hype. You know, I saw him go up one-on-one against Ellis Robinson at, at OT7, um, you know, Ellis is a Georgia commit. They, they both got each other a couple of times. Uh, Jeremiah had one where he jumped up, leaped, uh, got the ball, snatched it from Ellis, you know, and ca- kind of gave him a look as well, you know, and then Ellis came back and got an interception. So those two uh, really stood out to me. Um, you know, not many hi- highly rated class of 2024 players there at OT7 and at Elite 11 outside of the quarterbacks, but, uh, you know, those two in particular really stood out to me. So, you know, it was, it was a great group out there in California. Uh, you know, we can just go on and on with some of the some of the talent that was brought out there. Nation Montgomery really made a, a strong impact for, uh, for for Raw Miami there with Julian Sain and um, you know just looking top to bottom. There was there there was a lot of talent there. So you, that's the interesting thing about this event with the Elite Eleven. They were able to combine the opening with it. You know, there were some guys who weren't able to make it that were on the roster, but the ones who did. I really showed out. Andrew Marsh, I think he's he, he's a 2025 prospect out of Texas. He's going to be special, uh, absolutely special. He's a, he, he's another one kind of like Jamie French, just, just dynamic. Uh, interested to see where he tops out size-wise, but uh, Andrew Marsh is one to pay attention to. Joseph, uh, a few more for you before we let you go. Give me an overview, um, in your opinion, of this Bama recruiting class so far. Because I know that they only have eight guys so far, but three five-stars, four four-stars. Uh, this class has a long way to go, but, man, it's already chock full of talent. It really is. Like, this Alabama class, you know, people kind of talk about, well, you know, especially with the run that Florida's gone on, Clemson went on a little bit of a run, other schools have gone on runs. They're like, where's Alabama? What are they doing? Well, they have eight commits right now. If you remember this time last year, uh, they had three commits in the 2023 class. Not only that, in the 2025 class, they have four total commits, more than they had this time last year in 2023. So they're they're already ahead of schedule in 2025, way ahead of schedule in 2024 compared to where they were uh, last year. So I, I just think Alabama's put together a really solid class. It starts with Julian Sane, and it also starts with Jalen Bockway on both sides of the ball there with Julian at quarterback and Jalen at cornerback. Uh, those two leading the way for Alabama. You've got the, the receivers out there of Rico Scott and Perry Thompson. Perry Thompson is somebody who 
uh, is very coveted, especially with, by, by the Auburn Tigers. Recently took an official visit there. Uh, you know, I got to see him at Battle Miami earlier this year. All of the six foot two, uh, two hundred five pounds that we have to list it at. Uh, you know, he, he he can run routes exceptionally. You know, you see the Julio Jones comparisons there. I, you know, you always get weird making comparisons like that, but just in terms of. Uh, you, you know, the physical presence that he brings to the table and the speed and route running, uh, I, I think that comp could be justified. Uh, Rico Scott's another one who's, uh, as I mentioned, is exciting. They, they've been able to lock down in the state of Alabama with Jeremiah Beeman and Stone Dixon to go along with uh, Jalen Bockway, uh, Caden Jones, linebacker out of uh, out of North Carolina, and, and Joseph Ayanada, uh offensive lineman out of Florida. You know, those are a couple guys who, uh, you initially didn't expect to be in the class like a, a week or two before they had committed. There, there were some question marks about that, but they ended up in there. Alabama's excited about them. I think the Crimson Tide have built together a, a great class so far, but you know that that's the operative words right there. So far, recruiting six months to go until early signing period. A lot can change in six months, uh, as, as you and I both know. So uh, at, to this point, they built together built a great class, but still have other schools as well. Um, you know, and, and they're really picking up momentum on the trail. So this this summer here is going to be really key. That's when a lot of top prospects will come off the board. Where will Alabama stand at the end of it? We'll, we'll see. I know you, you cover Alabama, but what do you make of what the Florida Gators have been doing the last 72 hours? I mean, it's recruit <laughs> after recruit. I mean, what is going on down there with Billy Napier in Gainesville? You, you know, I've got Hayes Fawcett, um, who worked for all three on notifications, and Every time he tweets out, I'm like, okay, who committed now? Well, this person to Florida, this four-star to Florida, this four-star to Florida, this, <laughs> this top-tier to Florida. It's just, it's been incredible. You know, I covered the Florida Gators a few years ago, um, and, and the and the one quote that always resonate, resonates with me, the one that I heard initially was, um, you know, that Florida's the, the sleeping bear, you know, or, or the sleeping giant. Don't, don't wake them up. Uh, I believe Bear Bryant's the one who said that. So, you know, look, Florida – if they ever get things clicking, um, you know, get things going on the recruiting trail, you have to watch out for them. You know, they, they, they've got the tradition, the recent tradition, winning two championships in three years in the 2000s. Um, you know, the history there, Tim Tebow, Percy Harvin, the Pouncey Twins, they, they, you know, they've got, they've had talent at, at several different position groups. Uh, they just had the number four, uh, number four overall player uh, in the draft in Anthony Richardson. So, yeah, look, Florida, if, if things get going with Billy Napier, uh, I heard great things about him before he was uh, actually officially hired by Florida. If things get going with him, you better watch out for them. They'll definitely be a contender in the SEC. Yeah, it's, uh, and of course, he's a Saban disciple, so uh, we'll see what Billy Napier does. Uh, last thing, Joseph, uh, we couldn't call it a, uh, a segment talking Bama without talking quarterback. Uh, it's late June. Um, who do you think Bama's starting quarterback's going to be? That, that, that's an interesting question. Putting me on the spot here. I, you know, look. <laughs> I won't hold you to it. You could just make a guess, you know. <laughs> All right, well, I'll, I'll take a guess. Jalen Milrow. I'll, I'll just take a guess at that one. But I have to I have to state. I have to uh, give myself a little caveat here. Look, Tyler Buckner transferred in from Notre Dame. Um, Ty Simpson, you know, you, you have to watch out for him. Highly uh, rated recruit coming out of high school. Somebody that Alabama was really excited and continues to be really excited about. He also can't rule out the true freshman Dylan Lonergan and Eli Holstein, especially Lonergan, for what he showcased in the spring. But uh, just based on Milrow getting that that run last year against uh, Texas A&M, which I thought was important for him, and also against Arkansas at the end of, of that game, uh, you know, just him getting some actual game experience and 
play meaningful snaps in the SEC. Uh, I, I think it's important, and I think it'll, it resonates with, with Alabama staff. I'll go with Milrow for now. All right, and, and again, um, I, you, you're allowed to change your opinion on this all throughout <laughs> July and August as well. I was just curious your thought on where it stands. He is Joseph Hastings of Bama Online. You can check him out on social media at Joseph A. Hastings. Uh, Joseph, really appreciate the time, man. Thanks so much. Thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. All right, that's Joseph Hastings. He was down there in uh, in – uh, Los Angeles for the Elite 11 Finals, and uh, appreciate him giving us a little firsthand account on some of those top quarterbacks. I mean, it's some of the big-name quarterbacks who are going to be the future of some of these SEC programs, like Julian Sane at Alabama, uh, Dylan Raiola at, at Georgia, Colin Hurley at uh, LSU, and, of course, DJ Lagway to, to Florida. Um, some big-time quarterbacks are going to be the future of the SEC, and I like how he gave us a little insight in some of the Ohio State guys. It's good to know who the SEC team's going to be beating in a national championship in the future. So good to get a little scouting report on the uh, the team that the SEC team will uh, beat up on in the future. Anyway, uh, appreciate him uh, for jumping on with us. Appreciate you guys for making us your first listen every day. And a shout-out to our everydayers who check us out every day. Tomorrow on the show, we'll be talking all the latest Around the SEC, we'll uh, continue to get you updates from Omaha as Tennessee stays alive and LSU and uh, Florida keep rolling. Uh, this has been Locked on SEC. Again, we'll talk to you guys tomorrow right here on Locked on SEC. Have a great day, everybody.